Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Not alongside me this week is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason, as he is, well, he's out of the country on vacation, so good for him. He actually can get away from whatever he's doing. Anyway, with us on the line yet again is our Florida connection, Florida Senator Phil Jakes, and guess what? I had to find the uh, song this week, so I hope I don't disappoint you too badly. I hope we haven't played this yet. I've never heard this. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I was waiting on the lead singer. That's sleep. not them. I cannot dream tonight. I need somebody and always. Six strange darkness. She makes me want to put a bullet through my chin and up through my brain. All right, that wasn't a she, by the way. That was that was a that was a guy. Very very thin one, yes. And the lead singer lady, who was in a nice sundress, standing up front, just kind of with her hands behind her back wasn't singing and I was sitting here with great anticipation waiting for it and it just didn't happen and the, like the singing starts coming from behind her and she turns around and I'm like wait a minute what the fuck <laughs> was not expecting that it was a very depressing 3.2 yeah I figured it was more easy listening than anything else but I'm like was it? I mean it wasn't terrible but no, it wasn't bad com- compared to the original I wish that Everybody out there in listener land who listens to this show uh, knows the absolute chaos that ensued before we actually went live today. Uh, Fun story time. Jesse's not here, and he usually takes care of all the uh, sound design and stuff like that. I mean, I'm capable, but we have a system. I mean, how long have we been doing this? It's been... 170-something episodes now. What's this, 174, I think, or 175? I can't remember how many were in here, but uh, I was going to look it up, but that takes too long. So <laughs> Almost to 200. Yeah, we're getting there. We're working our way to it. We'll hit it next year probably if we keep doing it. But, my God. I mean, Phil and I are literally, and we're about three minutes short of the hour mark. Uh, we're almost an hour late recording because nobody raced it's going to be a short episode anyway right (laughs) we always say it's going to be a short episode and there's only two of us yeah we don't have enough uh voices tracking it i don't even know i'm just so fucking i'm so angry because it was something really really stupid like i had all of my production stuff done i had all my tabs open i had all of my research done and I was doing it on my computer where my microphone is. And if, if you notice, I sound a little different today. It's because I'm over at the main computer using Jesse's microphone, which is a little bit different. Different design, at least. And 
So I'm trying to get the show going off of my laptop, which we've done before plenty of times. And I, like I said, I got all my research. I got all my producing done. I hit the record button. I play the song. Phil can't hear it. What the hell is the point of it if he can't hear it? That's the whole point. So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll pause. We'll redo it. We'll start over. No. Okay, fine. We'll try switching computers. That must solve it. So I have to redo all the research, pull up all my tabs, do all the shit over again. And nothing still. Nope. Doesn't work. So we sit here playing with audio and Googling things and trying this and pushing this button. Oops, now I screwed up. Now he can't hear me at all. So now I have to reset the program. <laughs> now I have to call him back three times. It was entertaining. It, it would have been if that's what we were trying to do. But since <laughs> since I'm trying to shove this show on the air, it wasn't because now we're an hour behind. And it's like, damn it all. Uh, anyway, so we finally figure out that the reason why nothing was working the way we wanted it to was because I had two Google Chrome windows open instead of using two separate browsers like we always do. So it came down to something as literally as stupid as that. And I didn't even realize it. And then we finally get it going. And now we're an hour late. So welcome to the show. <laughs> we have absolutely no idea what we're doing without Jesse here. Uh, he actually went to broadcasting school. Fucking amateur hour. <laughs> In every way you could possibly imagine, it is amateur hour. Not even kidding. Listen, and I'm the one over here with a full-blown recording studio in my house, and I couldn't even think of what the fucking problem was. Yeah, because you deal in recording software and mixers and, you know, boards and, you know, amps and programs and stuff like that. Like, you're actually recording different, you know, lines and stuff. This is web browsers. <laughs> why, Google, why do you suck? Like, why do why we... Why can't we... Why, Google? Like, I have to use... The Microsoft, whatever you call it, what is that called now? Edge, like the, the guy from U two. Something. <laughs> Isn't the Edge dead? No, I thought he was still alive. Oh no, that was Gary Rossington that died. It was Ooh. the other, the guy from uh, Skinnerd. Oh, I didn't even know. He, I thought everybody in Skinnerd died in a plane crash. But anyway, I'm that's that's only how, the important ones. That's how ignorant I am of anything dealing with music. So anyway. I forgot where I was and what I'm saying, but uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. We do these live to tape, meaning that's the only thing I know because I didn't go to broadcasting school. My brother did, and he's not here. So we're basically bailing water with a spoon out of this sinking ship. and um, The spoon's got a hole in it? Yeah, it's like it's one of those weird garlic presses or something to strain or well, I don't even know. Anyway. Mincer. Yeah, we do these shows live to tape, meaning we essentially record them as if we're broadcasting live, meaning we don't edit them. So if we screw something up, you'll notice it pretty uh, pretty upfront, except we didn't record an hour's worth of us screwing off trying to figure out why the show won't record. All right, I think we've bored them enough with our own idiocy. They've all shut it off already. Oh, of course they have. But at least I got a listen out of them. That's how podcasting works. If you ha! if you download the episode or even hit play on it, that counts as a play, even if you don't listen to it at all. It's brilliant. 
Uh, I can't tell you how many times I gave DBC and all these other podcasts a listen, even though I didn't hear the episode because I just didn't feel like listening to them after downloading it. Because I work out in the boonies, and I don't have cell service, so I don't stream a lot of stuff, and it kills my phone battery because, I don't know, iPhone and batteries are garbage on them, so I just download them ahead of time. But anyway, we usually start our episodes off with personal updates. Jesse usually doesn't have any personal updates except for this week where he finally got out of his miserable life. A nice, comfy vacation. I can say miserable because he would agree with me. Um, <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, yeah, he's out enjoying himself, hopefully. I genuinely hope he is. And... uh I hope his liver actually makes it all the way home in one piece. Yes. Uh, So anyway, yeah, he'll be back next week, hopefully. And uh, I know Phil wore his shirt for Jesse and forgot he wasn't going to be here this week. So, Damn. Anyway, we got some personal updates going on. I, oh my God, the, the string of bullshit doesn't end with us just trying to record an episode. It started for me this week because I was getting ready to go to the Champions Night at Stafford because the car was already set up to go to Stafford. So I was, you know, just doing my normal thing, nutting, bolting, making some setup changes. So I had, it wasn't as bad as the week before where I absolutely had to thrash to get the thing ready because, you know, I'm changing racetracks. I got to change to get ready and put all the stuff in that's different rules and packages and stuff like that. But I had to at least try to get the car changed over. You know, we went out, we learned a lot. We took some notes and we made some changes. And so I changed a couple springs and we changed some setup stuff. Like uh, I think uh, Joe Brockett brought me a sway bar that he'd bought off eBay. So I'm like, all right, we'll see if we can make that work. Cause it's a size that he wanted to try. And, um, I got some other stuff done. Like I, I found some broken stuff. I had to fabricate, weld. I had to do a bunch of other stuff. So luckily I found all that. But it was just a rolling, just, you know, the snowball downhill was not the best way to put it because it just kept going and kept growing and growing and getting out of control. What I thought was going to be, okay, we made these changes. Now let's just throw it on scales. Turned into, I'm awake at midnight still. And I don't even have the car finished. And now the radiator is not even in it anymore because that got punctured somewhere along the line. It was a complete car wreck when it should have been a five-second trip to the convenience store. I mean, it was absolute awful. Started off with, okay, let's put this sway bar in. I know he wants to try it. I want to try it. So I put the thing in. It does not fit. Like, at all. It's fine on one side, and the other side, it's like two inches off. You can't get the bolts in for the sway bar links. You can't get anything to fit. It is an absolute nightmare. So I'm like, okay. Pulled the thing out, called him, got the okay to heat it up with the torch. Heated it up, bent it, went too far. Damn it. Okay, so I had to pull it out yet again. Heat it up, bend it back, fix a few things. And I finally got the thing back in. I swear to God, the whole process took me 
I don't know, over six hours just for the sway bar. And that was, was it a brand new sway bar or was it no, something used that he found? No, he dug this thing up on eBay somewhere. And it was like, <laughs> it's definitely street driven. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I took the, like, I took the torch to it and I heated up all the rust just to, so it all flake off when I hit it with a wire brush. <laughs> so, so was it the original size or did the rust make it the size it was? <laughs> it is what it is now. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. I mean, this thing, it, it fit in between the frame rails and it would fit to the links. Everything else was not good. Like the link ends were straight down when they needed to be flat and they were too wide. So I had to bring them back together. It's just a complete nightmare. I mean, it was just such a bad time. And if you're like heating up sway bars, you have to let them cool naturally, just air cool. You can't pour anything on it. You can't heat, or you can't can't do anything to cool it off quickly. Yeah, you make it brittle, right? Right. You can't do that. So you have to literally let it sit in the environment and just let it cool off on its own. So it's like, oh my god, what a nightmare! So I had to sit there and wait for it to cool off to touch for it to even go under the car. In that time, I have to change the fuel line out that goes from the the pump to the carburetor. Because that kind of went bad on me the last time I went to Stafford, and I had to change the uh, the fitting at the bottom. So I went to change that out, and I it's too close to the radiator, uh, the lower hose. So I'm trying to like just wrench the thing off, and I slip, and the wrench goes straight into the radiator and puts a nice little pinhole in it, and it starts leaking everywhere. And that's a brand new radiator. So I'm like, oh, wonderful. So that pissed me off beyond belief. So I had to pull the radiator out and I had to literally JB weld it. And I'm this is Thursday night. <laughs> like the day before, I'm thinking we're going to go racing if it doesn't rain. And the car has no radiator in it. It's like midnight. I'm still taking a torch to a sway bar. I still have to do caster camber tow. It's a complete nightmare. And then I do have a spare radiator, though, so we could have made it to the track, you know, with without much issue if I just slapped that thing in. But luckily, almost mercifully, it rained. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm going to make it now. So I got another radiator coming. Should be here. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow. I'm not even sure. But I got the other one JB welded together, so hopefully it'll be a good spare, or maybe it'll even work. I don't know. It depends on how I feel like putting parts together or whatever the hell I'm doing here. So we finally got the sway bar figured out. I got caster camber toe done. We had a couple extra days to finish it, so that was good. I didn't have to stay up until midnight anymore. So that's also put the local racing in kind of a predicament because... This upcoming weekend is supposed to be World Series weekend, which is like the biggest race in New England pretty much all season long. I mean, based on number of divisions and how many days and car counts and everything in between. I mean, you got the NASCAR tour there. You got, uh, I think some full-bodied guys, I think Pass might be there. I don't think the ACT is going to be there this year. Um Super mods, you got you got all everybody who knows 
knows the World Series. So they got that going on. But every single track in southern New England rained out this weekend. Stafford rained out. Seekonk rained out. Waterford rained out. I mean, now everybody is scheduled to run their final race or whatever race they got going on. I don't think Waterford's going to run because they actually are pretty smart when it comes to uh, local scheduling. Like if there's if there's a Wednesday night Thompson race, they'll actually give their Wednesday night divisions the night off because they know Thompson's running. Like they actually do some some helpful scheduling, and uh, they so they make the Wednesday night season a little bit longer because they give them weeks off in between, which is nice. But uh, it just puts everybody in a pickle now. Now you've got see, uh, let's see, Stafford was what I was going to say. They're going to be running Friday night, and World Series starts on Friday night, and then you got Seekonk that will run Saturday. They've already said they're going to. And the World Series is running on Saturday. Luckily, nobody else runs on Sunday. But if you look at the weather for this weekend... (laughs) If Seekonk's smart, they run a day show and let Thompson take the night slot on Saturday. Like, start your features at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and I'm not sure what... Work together. Give, you know, give the two tracks a chance to be successful together yeah now i don't know what stafford's doing i i've heard rumors that they might be doing the exact same thing on friday but i have not seen any uh, confirmation on that i'm gonna actually look up the race schedule while i'm sitting here right now uh let's see here event info for champions night do they have a schedule out Let's see. Official event schedule. No. <laughs> Does not look like they're going to do an early thing. So it looks like it's a normal scheduled race night because they're going to have the TC-13. and. Um, Is Stafford running on Saturday night? No, this, this schedule right here says that they are going to be running Friday, October 6th. Paddock gates open 3 p.m. Practice begins at 4. Grandstands open at 5. Heat start at 6. That's pretty typical. That's their normal night. But then again, I mean, you think about it, and it's like, well, if you're asking the racers to show up for 1 o'clock on a Friday, I don't think everybody's going to be able to get the day off. So that's really going to hurt, you know? And um, I don't know what's... I got to look up what Thompson's schedule would be. I'm not sure if you have that up or not, but uh, no, hold on. I can look it up though. I mean, I know that they have a couple features going on on Friday, which they always do. And let's see here. World series schedule. Okay. Friday night at Thompson practice is at 11 a.m. on Friday. Practice ends at 4.30. Heats are at 5 on Friday. They got the, well, what the remnants of the mini stock tour is, which is called Mighty Mini Stocks. Uh, Open street stocks, late models, uh, SKs for their first race. Um, And mm, the MRS is going to be there, along with star vintage people. Uh, And then after 6 p.m. is when you're rolling features. So... My personal opinion, and, and 
I think this might end up happening regardless is I think Thompson will take their street stock feature on Friday night and move it to the very end of the program. And Stafford will put you guys just absolutely first thing on the card Friday night. Well, again, it's an open. Give guys the chance. Again, it's an open street stock race. So Right, I'm, but there are guys that want to run both that probably were co- committed to both that run at Stafford already. It looks as though street stocks are the first feature out at Stafford. Yeah, they'd probably run street stocks then limited at Stafford. Is that what the schedule is? Uh, it looks like street stocks, then late models, and then SK lights, then SKs. Then they run the limited late models, and then they run the SKTC-13. So I know Stafford listens, so this is kind of a little thing that maybe help your Stafford guys that want to run to Thompson if Thompson does move their street stock feature. Those limited late models will be legal in that that open street stock feature. To be completely fair, though, I usually don't see a lot of them show up. I usually, now, I've I don't seen see some re- guys talking about wanting to go do it, though. That's why I mention it. It, it. it would just be nice to see both tracks reach out and find that middle ground. And, and I think it would be best for Thompson to move that street stock feature to dead last and give those guys a chance. Because there are guys that are going to want to run Stafford because they're in the points and then still have a chance because it's, what is it, a 45-minute drive hour? It's really not that bad. You can make it. And you don't even need to change a gear. Yeah, but the problem is, is that those features roll out at six for both both nights. Right. And Stafford well, that's why has, I say run the street stocks first at Stafford and last at Thompson. Yeah, but again, I I don't know. Because you're you're looking at a fifty lap MRS feature, which is going to be a shit show. Uh, SKs, which will probably be a quick race the late models will be fairly rough yeah but they they're always so you got you got a couple of divisions there that'll take some time i don't know i just would like to see it yeah they probably guys but thompson probably handed the mrs the uh what do you call it the headline for friday night you know what i mean and usually if you're running last that's headline stuff so i know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and scheduling and trying to get and staffing and all this other stuff. I know it's a really hard thing to do because Stafford wouldn't be in this predicament if it wasn't for weather. Yeah. This this happened back in 2013 or 20. No, what it was either 2012 or 2013. Me and Bill McNeil, I was helping him at the time and he was in points at both Thompson and Waterford Mm. and one guy actually stayed in the trailer. Thompson ran early on Saturday and we hauled ass to Waterford, got there just in time to roll out dead last for the feature and ended up finishing like eighth that night. It was the best run he ever had at Waterford since he won when he didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot to say there, but I didn't say it. So <laughs> I, I love Bill. Bill's, I probably wouldn't race today if it wasn't for him. He helped me out so much. But oh, yeah. The guy is a fucking nutcase. Yeah, but you have to be a nutcase if you're going to race. So, Especially back in those days. Like, he raced with McCarthy and it, it just all of those guys that would just hang him out sideways. So he comes from that era. Yeah. 
And he still thinks he can drive them that way. Nope. <laughs> don't nope. Work. Nope. Don't work that way no more. So anyway, yeah, I'm I'm still kind of on the fence as to whether or not I want to do both because I'm looking right now at the weather forecast for this weekend, and it says, let's see, I'll just go to Thompson. I was at home, but I'm south of Thompson. Thompson is due east of uh, Stafford, pretty much due east. So I think I'll just get a pretty good eye on that because it's staying Friday, 25% chance of rain. Saturday, 94% chance of rain. <laughs> Stafford says 64% chance of rain Friday because it's Stafford and it always rains there. And it says 94% chance of rain on Saturday. 64 Friday, 94 Saturday. I don't know if I said that wrong before, but that's what I meant. So, what does that mean if Stafford even gets rain on Friday or Thompson actually rains out on Saturday. If Stafford, I don't think Stafford would go head to head with a Saturday card at Thompson, especially World Series weekend. I think they would try and put it off a little longer. And again, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we don't really know about. Like, we don't know what kind of staffing issues they have. We don't know what kind of deals they have with the municipalities and the towns and. Let's not forget, too, there's officials that work at both tracks. Yeah, there's that. And so that's going to screw things up, too. It's going to make things really interesting. The weather just needs to fuck off, honestly. Dude, it's been <laughs> rough this year for you guys. I think I think Bonsa mentioned something about 11 races that have been influenced by weather at Stafford this year. I don't think we have in the state of Florida had that many this year. No. That is absolutely insane. I really don't I don't remember the weather being this bad. I can't recall more than maybe five or six rainouts this year down like, here. They called me four I think four or five times to go I'll just say four for numbers' sake. They called me four times to do uh camera work for them this year. And three times it rained out. So it's you. Well, I was saying it's probably me because I at least were three of them. I was there one day and it still rained out. Well, you were going to go race and it rained out too. Yeah, last week actually. And <laughs> so it's like an 80% you. Yeah, it's basically 80% my fault at this point because 80% of the time I want to go there, it rains. <laughs> what the hell? We can't let him go here. He's going to be successful. We can't allow that. Yeah, I'm still, again, my car is set up for Stafford now. So my race at Thompson, if I was going to run, would be on Saturday. And now it looks like rain for Saturday because it says literal 94% chance of rain. And I'm like, this is not good. So I'm wondering, I'm like, do I even bother with Thompson right now? Like, the car is no. going to be the car is going to be completely set up for Stafford and I'm going to run it Friday night. I've already committed to doing this. So I'm going to be at Stafford Friday night. So again, like I said, the rules are all completely different. I'd have to change if I want the most out of my car, I'd have to change the mufflers, I'd have to change the carburetor spacer, I'd have to 
I forget what it, I'd have to do a lot. I'd have to lose a lot of ride height. I'd have to gain a lot of left side weight. I'd have to real, really reset the car. And it's like, how much time am I going to have to do that when heats or practice rolls out at 11 o'clock in the morning? I'm going to be getting home. It's an hour drive from Stafford. I'm probably not even going to get out of there until after nine o'clock. So and I'm this be... is why we need common rules. Yeah. Yeah. I think this Stafford a, really Stafford, has a good thing Thompson, going. Stafford, Thompson, Waterford, listen clearly. This is a problem. You got to work together and get these rules in line. And towards Stafford's rules, not towards Thompson or Waterford's bullshit. See, I like the ACT cars. Oh, I love those. But I, I would but rather I, kind I of, would rather the metric cars because they just put on a better show. The ACT cars are just like the sportsmen are stale. But I like the Stafford late models. You know yes. what I mean? I like them both. There's room in this world for both of them. What Stafford's doing is obviously working. Because, I mean, you can't lie when it comes to numbers. No, you you have a list. There it is. You can debate it all you want. We've debated it plenty of times in the past. I've always said, oh, when there's when their numbers are struggling for late models, I said, why don't they go to ACT cars? <laughs> and then they just stubbornly stuck with it. And guess what? The numbers came right back up, even in a shit economy. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm talking out of my ass completely then. Listen, I, I show videos of Stafford late models to people down here that are literally only used to abc style late model cars oh like crate, and, crate models or pro late models or pro like that. supers anything with a template body mm. and and uh straight rail chassis all that yeah they run the old late model stock bodies those things are antiquated <laughs> yeah but i show those these races from stafford to people and they're like what the hell are those and then they watch for a couple laps and like God damn, they race hard. <laughs> there is, there's no other division. One of the most entertaining fender divisions in the entire country to me because the cars don't handle. They don't have tie-down shocks on the left front, so they're not pinned down. They fucking move around a lot. They can have quote-unquote tie-downs. If you run a, seven, what is this, 7499, uh, what the hell is yeah. it? I do not believe that shock is allowed there. Do they not the allow model. it? No, I don't believe that shock is allowed in the in the late models at Stafford. Oh, the Kona shocks. There we go. I had to remember yeah. from it. I have one of them for my late model. Because <laughs> I, I think that was a, a point of contention with Michael Bennett and, and Adam Gray and, and them guys a number of years back. They took it away, and guys just their setups were so out to lunch without it. They didn't know what to do for a couple of years. Hmm. Well, I think that shock is what ten bucks more or something like that. <laughs> Can't be that know. much more. But I got one. It's probably I believe it's the left front shock that's supposed to go on my car, but I have setup shocks on it. Listen, if I had my way, I would put the <laughs> world on the shocks that are in my car right now. Those things are awesome. Hmm. The I, the shocks in my car right now are probably every, every bit of seven or eight years old. What brand are they? They're just Bilstein's. They're just a spec shock that. Ricky Brooks came up with, I believe Ricky came up with for uh, our class. And the left front is the tie down from hell. And the right <laughs> rear's got all of the rebound. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, they're just, they feel good. They The car feels in the track. Jeez. Yeah, I, 
I still don't know what to do with my late model. Speaking of personal updates, uh, no idea. I it, again, if anybody really wants to give me a good offer on it, I'm free to listen. Uh, I'm also taking trades for Stafford Legal full tube chassis street stocks, but uh, it has to be turnkey because I'm not giving away a turnkey car for nothing. <laughs> I think that's fair. I have a turnkey late model with 12 races on the motor. I'm not giving that away for nothing, you know? No. Like somebody tried to offer me just a tube chassis with Cajun tins, and I'm like, where's the rest of it? My car has exactly the same thing, except it's got a, you know, quick change and a 603 crate that's sealed and, you know, the clutch and all the shocks, and I have everything. <laughs> you didn't give me nothing for that, so go away. <laughs> You should see if Plemons. What's that car that he has? The the Stafford car. That's like a thirty year old like Riverside car. That uh, oh, that's not a tube car. No, God no. That's for uh, some reason I thought that was Chris Myers tube street stock. No, that car was Doug Curry's championship car at Waterford. I think. Ah, uh, okay. I got you. Which was so like, that was the old Moose car. Yeah, I believe it was either a thirty year old Stafford or Riverside late model. Is that the one that up until Doug got it had the stock rear frame horns still? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it had a stock bumper on it, too, when Moose had it. Yeah, that thing was fantastic. It was hilarious because it was still fast. <laughs> like, he dug it out of a barn somewhere, and it was just straight, and he threw all his shit on there and went out there. So I remember racing with him at Thompson in it. Yeah, he had that car for a while, and he never bent the thing, so it's like, it's just a 30-year-old car with no bends in it. It's like, well, it's the same shit as what we got now. But anyway, yeah, so I, like I said, I'm open to trades. So if anybody wants to keep an eye on what I do, you can go over to YouTube.com slash Brent Gleason. I've actually been working on non-racing-related stuff lately, like uh, my $500 plow truck, which people just still do not believe me when I tell them how much I paid for it, which is hilarious. They're they're astonished that you paid that much for it. Really? Looking at it. <laughs> oh, looking at it. Yeah, you'd be like, it's why did you even? Not very great. Visually, it's not good. But functionality wise, the... if you take a hammer to the frame and knock all the scale off of it, it's actually not bad. The frame's still pretty good. So I want no to... cracks. No. I want... No, I just want to get the scale off of it. But the body is shot. The bed is literally falling off of it. I did take and clean it out a little bit to uh, the other day. I, I threw some uh, super clean through it, and um, wash, I washed the windshield off because it looked like it was heavily smoked in because every wipe of the rag, it came off like yellow and brown. It was just disgusting, <laughs> and I found a pack of camels in the back. So I'm like, oh, yeah, heavily smoked in. Perfect. But... I literally paid $500 for a 2000 Ford F250 with a 7.3 power stroke and a five-speed manual. Not even an automatic, a manual. And it's a 4x4. Every, every stupid thing works. The truck sounds like it's brand new. I mean, you sit next to one of those, and it sounds like a school bus, and it doesn't clatter. It doesn't rattle. It doesn't do anything stupid. It runs like a goddamn dream. And the clutch catches on the floor. It shifts just fine. It's got a crawler gear for low. I pulled the plow out of the bed today with my engine hoist, and I jammed it on the ground. And I'm going to be putting this video out pretty soon. But 
I got it spun around. I hooked it up to the truck, and I had to troubleshoot why the plow wasn't working. But eventually, I got it working through a little bit of electrical work, and I poured some hydraulic fluid in it, and it immediately worked. I'm like, I paid 500 bucks for this beast of a truck, came with a plow, and it works. Like, you can't do that anymore. You're looking for those things around here. They're like three, four thousand dollars for another piece of shit. I paid five hundred bucks for a seven three that runs and drives perfectly. I'm like, this is like the bargain of a lifetime. I can't believe I've scored one. Just strip the body off. Yep. Weld a racing seat to it and <laughs> have an exo plow. Yeah, just have like no <laughs> Just put a couple bars in and mount a seat to it and just have uh, like a rail car. Why not? <laughs> the... Strap a bunch of fucking lead to it so it actually, or, or just make a platform and put a ton of bricks on the thing. Yeah. I'm going to take the bed off and just like cut it up into pieces or just fold it in half because I probably could do that by hand. It's so well rusted. But I tried to I tried to look at the hitch and see if I could use the hitch, and I took a hammer to it, and it literally blew up like it exploded the second I hit it with <laughs> hammer. Flex seal. I'm like, oh man, I can't use that. All right, that'll work. Flex seal. So yeah, I got that truck in the mix. So functional plow truck. There you go. That's that's what I'm working on on the YouTube channel. I'm gonna be back working on the car pretty quick because. Uh, it's already going to be Tuesday by the time this drops, so I'm going to have to do a lot of work to get that thing ready for Stafford just because of how apart that it is and all the... Oh, God, I can't even, I can't even imagine. I, I, I freaking punctured the radiator. Like, can you believe that shit? Anyway, <laughs> that's enough of my updates. I'm already a uh, half hour into them, so I might as well turn it over to Phil, see if he's got any updates. I don't have a ton. We we went down to Auburndale this weekend uh, with the sportsmen's for Daniel Webster, Tim Sozio, and Garrett Larson. Um, and I had crew chief duties on the 61 of Garrett Larson. Car was really, really fast in practice. Um, and then it just got really tight in qualifying. He had to stop in the center of the corner to get it to turn. And we kind of... All we're looking at the sky all day because it was supposed to be a bad day for weather. And it had started off to be a pretty nice day. And unfortunately, around 7.30, right after qualifying, once everybody uh, had put some laps on their nice sticker tires, uh, the rain started and just never went away. It stopped here and there, but it would come back and then get heavier and they ended up having to call it around, I think, 9.30 at night, which kind of sucked to call it that late, but I appreciated them giving it the the effort. There's a lot of tracks in this state that'll just cancel if there's a cloud covering the sun for more than three seconds. So it was at least nice to get to the track, and, and I had not worked with Garrett yet. He's uh, He just bought one of, our, uh, one of the cars that we take care of, so... Um, it was good to kind of build a rapport with him and start learning him because we'll be working together, I'm sure, in the future. Um, but as for my car, I uh, got the cooling system together, got everything uh, basically bolted back together, got the 
spindles reamed for the new ball joints because I uh, switched to a Camaro style pin uh, and I run Impala spindles. Um, I don't really I'll, know if there's any difference in that. I don't know that there's a difference. <laughs> it's just what I've always run and I feel like... Is the Camaro it, spindle lighter? I don't even know. I'm not sure. I think you can run a slightly bigger rotor on the uh, on the Impala. I run an 11.25, 11 know. and a quarter rotor. It's bigger rotor on there. But, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. But I got all that straightened out, bolted on, made sure that everything traveled uh, without contacting the shock uh, so I can get full travel out of the car as we need. Um actually can adjust the sway bar correctly now instead of having to burn the fuck out of yourself every time because you're hitting the radiator trying to get in there had a gigantic radiator in there so i had to shrink that down for putting the new body and the new nose on it um which it should be going to get the body in two weeks when uh after we got a prolate race at Smyrna next week. So I think after that, I'll bring it up there. Um, I'm waiting for a few more things. I want to have it basically race ready. Once the body gets strapped on it, all I have to do is set it up. So I got to do valve springs, oil change. I got to grease and pack the bearings. Um, I want to change the tranny fluid. I want to change the fluid in the rear end. Um, and I do need to also put an axle seal in the right rear, but, Getting there slowly. I was just surfing Facebook, and I came uh -oh. I came across a post from Stafford Speedway's own Bobby Sturk. Uh, he's posting a street stock for sale, which, you know, pretty successful car. He's won a bunch in it. And um, he claims it's a JMD chassis. I know for a fact that it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, you know, because I'm pretty sure that that car uh, was the clone to the car that my brother had that they built with uh, Moose Out and Rusty Ibers. They built like two cars both at the same time. Moose ran one at Waterford and won like five races and uh, did a did really awesome with it. We took ours to Thompson in 2002. We built them new and uh, we won a bunch of races with that car until it died in 2013 in turn one. Oh, i remember that and uh yeah world series where he lost the right front tire yeah yep the, the oh this is gonna hurt yep and um i believe the other car is bobby's car because i'm looking at it and i'm like yep that looks exactly like our car and that thing changed hands a bunch but i'm just it doesn't matter who really built it but i'm just saying it's it's definitely not a Stewart car. Anyway, I think it's time. What do you think? We're only 42, nope, 43 minutes into this pile of crap. And we're an hour late. So why don't we move on into the second segment of the show? Good grief. There was plenty to pick from this week. Oh, Darf City. <laughs> Sometimes they come in waves for the Darf comment of the week. Christ. Headphone users beware, apparently. I'm at the helm. What? 
I can't hear anymore. Oh, man. Yeah. See, this is why Jesse does this, because he understands where all the sounds go and where everything is supposed to be on all of this. Anyway. Oh, shit. I think that was actually what it was supposed to be. All right. <laughs> Moving on. For the Darf comment of the week this week, good grief. I've had submissions from pretty much everywhere. I mean... Jesse was in Ireland. Well, he still is in Ireland, and he even sent me something. Phil sent me a bunch of stuff. Should I just read a bunch of them at once? <laughs> I I must have sent you at least seven. <laughs> at least. I'm not even kidding. Um, let's see here. Should I should I read Jesse's? He wrote Darf of the Week, and he sent some some Jesus Christ. This is a book, bro. What did you send me? All right, so this is something that Jesse sent. Why don't I read a few, and then we'll just pick the best one. What do you think? All right. I'm down with that, because we don't have any racing to talk about. We've already padded this stupid thing out to about 45 uh, or so minutes. So, All right, Jesse sent me this. It's from this page called Kelsey Hollywood Hayes Racing. Okay, uh, looks like she races some kind of a dirt-modified... Uh, like that. I don't know what the hell that is. It's a ump mod or an IMSA mod. Yeah, probably or or a B mod. Yeah, something like that. It probably doesn't, races with Carl. It doesn't say anything in there. So anyway, she posts on Facebook. Now I haven't read the whole thing yet, but Jesse seemed to think that this was um pretty worth posting. So I'm gonna read it and uh, then it'll come up and. See what I see what I think of it. All right, so the post from Kelsey Hollywood Hayes Racing goes as this: it says usually the dangers of racing are incidents that happen on the track. However, tonight was different. After the races, apparently this person named Chad Boucher, or as he calls himself, Webmaster Chewy. What the fuck? <laughs> He's a furry. Okay, here we go. Decided he was going to take his anger out as a fan off the track. I'm not sure where this ever started, but this guy has had a beef with me since I've raced sport mods. Oh, there you go. Um, even though we've never talked, he's constantly harassed me online, talking about me in racing, in in racing events, or I mean, uh, in in racing incidents. Sorry, she wrote two n, two ins. Sorry, that have never even involved me in the first place, and t uh, taking any opportunity he can to talk negatively about me. But tonight he took it way beyond being a keyboard warrior. Oh, here we go. All right, let's tell the story. After getting in my dad's face after the mod race was done, saying I need to hold my line and not push his favorite driver up the track, he took his personal car and came speeding into the pits. What? <laughs> this is Bowman Gray? Thankfully, my mom seen him coming before I did because she grabbed my fire suit and pulled me backwards before he was able to hit me. The way he said scene, I was expecting them to say backwards. That's she, by the way. Or she. Yeah. Kelsey is a, is a nice blonde lady. I've seen him and she pulled me backwards. Hey, she speaks racer, okay. Um, Racist? No. Moving on. Uh, I thought it was just someone speeding in the pits at first, so we continued to the hauler. He then proceeded to quickly turn around and come speeding back towards my mom and I, swerving at me again. This guy's in his own vehicle, running, <laughs> driving through the pits, trying to run down people? Jesus Christ. 
He proceeded to yell from the driver's side out his passenger window. Okay, so across the car. He threw a few threats in there about kicking my ass as well. Okay, now he's threatening to beat women. Uh, My dad came up to defend me, and he sped off. But not before he decided to smash his Buick into the side of my race car, hitting the tire and then the tail of the car. We immediately called the police and filled the report. I don't know what to even think of this. This was all over supposedly pushing a guy off the track. I really debated posting anything about it, but this is something I clearly don't need around myself or my family and friends. And everyone else can decide if they really want him around their haulers as well. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Didn't Rich Staskowski do this at Waterford or something? I don't remember. No, <laughs> to be fair, I don't remember or anything like that. So <laughs> I, I remember him getting in trouble there for driving his personal vehicle drunk on the racetrack. I can't recall. It was so long ago. But Jesus Christ, I didn't read that whole thing before we posted it. But that's that's one of the best DARFs I've ever come across in my life. Guy literally has a problem with some lady racer. I don't know, some stupid beef. Some idiot hillbilly redneck shit. It goes past yelling on the internet, gets his own personal car, and tries to run her over in the pits twice and no then... tits in the pits. <laughs> Women ain't supposed to drive race cars. And then hits her car on the way out with his own personal vehicle. And the people know who he is. So it's not like he's going to fucking get away. <laughs> we might put, you know, this one might have to be a contender for DARF be, of the uh, year. Absolutely. I might have to put that one down for DARF of the year. That is one of the most excellent ones ever. You know... Here's a peek behind the curtain, listeners. I have a list for the awards show at the end of the year of DARF of the Year. There are no, none of them have not been shown on our program yet. We have not told their stories. I have reserved them for the end of the year because they were so ungodly bad that I said, I can't even give this gift away yet. I have to hold on to it. I wish I'd held on to this one because that was really good. But you know what? I'm glad I shared it because that was really, <laughs> that was something. Holy shit. That actually kind of puts mine to shame that I got over here. So, Yeah, I don't think mine hold a candle to that one. But I got some stupid one to show you. I mean, I got at least one more here oh, yeah. that I have listed. All right, let's go on to the next one. Stuart Friesen was involved in one of those incidents in the truck race uh, where he ended up pretty much head-on in the wall over whatever turn it was. And he had to be transported to a local hospital for observation and then was eventually released. Uh, His race team, or his whatever, you know, his personal fan interaction page, just, you know, Stuart Friesen on Twitter with the little check mark, they put out a tweet that said, at 12.25 p.m. Eastern, uh, Truck Series driver, whatever, the list Toyota for some reason. We all know, thank you. Uh, Stuart Friesen has been treated, evaluated, and released from the hospital after the on-track incident at Talladega. So this person, <laughs> Jesus freaking Christ. This person, and I can't even read their name on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it is. Their, na- their name is Liz A. Bailey 
N New Jeans fan. Oh, I know I know this tweet. <laughs> At Freedom Pimp 2012. Yep, yep, I know this tweet. Yep. It's one word. Yep. <laughs> they say source. If I could face palm hard enough to not knock myself unconscious, I would do that at this tweet. I think this is one of the ones I sent you to because I was, I was sitting there when I saw this and I was like, "I'm sorry, what sort source? You're reading the source. <laughs> it's literally his page. Like, if what are I you was thinking? The page, I'd respond, me motherfucker." Like, it's him. Like, what? <laughs> it's literally him. He's saying he got, oh, my God, what an idiot. Anyway. It's, it's literally probably his wife that posts that shit. <laughs> Unless she's racing somewhere. I know she still does, but whatever. Oh, God. And then you sent me a whole bunch of them about North Wilkesboro being repaved. And oh, my people, God, the people. People bitching up a storm oh racing's gonna suck now and it's that like that place should have been repaved before they raced there last year yeah oh my god what an idiot and then you sent me this one which was i'll, I'll top it off with this one all right dale earnhardt jr posted about north wilkesboro he said great news because they said that the nascar all-star race was going to return to wilkesboro next year which is cool because now we can see how the track's going to race with a fresh coat of paint. Or not paint, but, you know, pavement. Uh, paint, too, probably, because they'll probably hit the wall a lot. Uh, but So, real quick. Yeah. Something I really hope that they hire the same people who redid Tri-County. Really? Because Tri-County is a four-tenths mile. It's maybe an hour from Wilkesboro. Hmm. Uh, that's where Daniel ran the uh, late model stock. And they could run Huffman one that night, I think, from the inside wall on the fucking flat of the apron against the concrete inside wall all the way 80 feet out to the outside wall, hmm. four or five wide. Damn. Whatever mix they used for the asphalt, whatever they did with the profile of the track, do that to Wilkesboro. I don't give a fuck <laughs> about the history of that place being a... If it needs progressive banking, do that. Because I want to see that place be four and five wide. That sounds good. That Go back and watch that late model stock race. I'll send you a video. You just watch 10 laps in the middle of the race. It is amazing racing. I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Uh, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. replies to, or quotes this tweet about the, the all-star race returning. Uh, he says, great news. This year's event was the most fun I'd had. At a racetrack in many years, fun concerts, parties, cold uh, food, cold drinks, and cars tour racing midweek. I'll be sure to take it all in again next year. All that and a repaved surface to mix it up. Now, this guy <laughs> replies, and he has a Packers logo for his uh, avatar. His name is his first mistake. Yeah, there's your first mistake. His name is John Haas, like Gene Haas, but John Haas. It's at John Haas, you know, two A's, 1984. So that tells me he's a year younger than me. Uh, so he replies, in other words, 
it's your fault that Marcus is not giving it a points date. Where the hell did he deduce that from? <laughs> Number one. Anyway, I'll keep going. We'll we'll discuss it. It doesn't need to be a party atmosphere like get rid of all the concerts and just races and should be three days of NASCAR races and can have the cars tour Monday night or the Sunday before. What? <laughs> so how, do, how the hell did he deduce? Okay, you're not allowed to have fun when you go to this racetrack, number one. Uh, number two... It's Dale Jr.'s fault that they didn't give it a points date, which I don't know how the hell he came up with that reasoning. Um, so anyway, Dale Jr. actually makes the mistake of replying to this idiot by saying, I don't make decisions on the NASCAR schedule, John. He gets a reply from this idiot. He says, you don't make decisions, but you have lots of input with Marcus Smith. By the way, Marcus Smith doesn't do anything with the schedule either. That's NASCAR. I mean, they work together. Dale Jr. replied back to him and said, I cannot influence a points race at North Wilkesboro. If I could, there would be one. And the guy just replies back, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The fucking window-licking fucktards that crawl tweet space. X-space tweets. Oh my god. So I I could go through so many more, but we have to just kind of end it with 3 of them. I'll just I wanted to share a bunch of them cuz sometimes it's hard to find them, but this week there were so many. I just had to share them with people just because of how humorous they were. Anyway, which one do you think we're going to give the award to? I mean, they all win a participation trophy in this because they're all idiots. But who do we give the grand prize to because I've got my answer? I got to say the first one. Yeah, the guy driving his car at people and trying to run people yeah. over. <laughs> so, all right. We're going to look that guy's name back up because I need to know who the hell that is. Oops, I lost it. All right. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Jesse sent me it. I'll go there. I'll hit the story. Hopefully they didn't delete it while I was talking about it. Chad Boucher, I think is his name. Webmaster Chewy. You win our DARF comment of the week this week. We didn't come up with a creative way of committing suicide, but um, I'm sure your stupidity will eventually catch up with you. And may God have mercy on your soul. Kill yourself. The fuck? Please, please kill yourself. And no one else with you. The fuck? You should really kill yourselves. Good grief. Yeah, I'm going to need to remember to write that one down for the end of the year because that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, that. I don't think we've had one that good ever. We will. (laughs) We will. Uh, Yeah. I've got a few already lined up for DARF of the year, so... Again, this is I'm trying to give people a reason to actually listen to our award show, but uh, I really need to create some content because that's coming up in like a month or less. Anyway, we have some news we missed from last week because we released the show too early, also known as Not-So-News. All right. Now 
would just kill that music. I don't feel like talking over it. Sammy Smith leaving Gibbs for Junior Motorsports in the eight car next year. That's pretty much all the news we missed from last week because we released the show too early. Um, kind of makes sense. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> well, you think he's got the uh, the Flying J truck stop, pilot truck stop sponsorship. JG, uh, JRM already had that relationship from Michael Annette. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it, it kind of that was obvious to me that that was a possibility. Mm. But I didn't know if Toyota would let him go. Because he's been, I mean, even when he raced super late model stuff, I believe he had Toyota decals on the car. He was a TRD development driver through the whole thing. So Yeah, he's been with them a long time. Kind of shocked just, to see that. If if I was him, I'd feel slighted that they just said, "Okay, yeah, you can go." Yeah, that tells me it's like, okay, so is it me? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> maybe it's all those incidents that he had. You know, the seven races in a row where he was involved in some kind of incident. I mean, let's let's be fair. Did you remember that he was racing in the Xfinity series? I did. He was in the eighteen car. I sure as fuck didn't remember. He was very forgettable this year. Well, I've been watching all season, so I've I've recognized everybody. So I, I don't. Just, have, I really haven't noticed a whole lot from him. I don't have a whole lot of. Uh, I know we had a bunch of silly season stuff just happen, but they already announced most of it. Uh, I haven't had any real rumors come up in the late in the last few like days or past week. Have you? I I haven't really heard any seats changing places too much and. No, I haven't really heard a whole lot of anything. A lot of our uh a lot of our sources are not in NASCAR anymore either, which kind of sucks. So <laughs> No, they've all retired. Yeah, they've all fucked off and done something else, I guess. They, they got smart. I well, they weren't the ones spending money. I think they were the ones working in the but what you know, whatever. Working in the slave quarters. Well, I wouldn't put it that far, but anyway. We have a listener voicemail if you'd like to listen to that. <laughs> sure now when it comes to the listener voicemails i do not pre-listen to them like i don't preview them i go into it cold and if you want to act a fool or be an idiot it's this on is you. my weekly nightmare now <laughs> it's on you so this is entitled cardiac king's biggest fan from a listener called Josh Costanza, if that's your real name, sir. It is. Yeah, I figured. But anyway, I like to say that anytime. So why don't I just play this and see what happens? Miss you, miss you. Where are you? Oh, sorry, headphone users. Love you, Phil. Um, when is the Garage Queen going to be ready? Also, y'all make my Tuesdays so much better. Um, We'd love you, Cardiac King. Get the Garage Queen ready. Man, that was just not as strong as I thought it was going to be. No, that was actually a, a rather kind one for Josh. It was rather kind and tame. He I must, wasn't expecting he must have been that. been drunk, which is <laughs> always. Ouch. I don't know. Anyway, no, Josh is good, good people. <laughs> anyway, thank you all. Whoever, you know, takes the time out of your day to call into the show and do all that and if you want the link to send us messages you can go to and i used to give you the anchor link but anchor got taken over by spotify 
So I'm going to say it's uh, podcasters.spotify.com slash making laps, I'm pretty sure. And then you can click the message icon. So I think if you still use the old anchor link, you can still get through like anchor.fm slash making laps. It's basically, right. it's it'll it probably will just redirect you at this point. But if you go to podcasters.spotify.com, Spotify is our hosting network and they're the ones who distribute our show or distribute our show for us. So if you go there, you can get voicemails and voice messages. You'll probably have to have a Spotify account in order to do it, but they make it really easy because, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have like a Facebook account or a Google account, you can just click the button on your phone that says sign up with this and it'll just automatically sign you up with all your info or something. So it's not too difficult. Um, it does. There are a couple loops that have to jump through, but it's not so bad. So, but to, to answer him, uh, I don't know if the car is going to actually make it back out this year just because of my financial status right now with all these medical bills. I got to get this stuff paid off so I can make some more important personal moves in the future. And racing is going to be sacrificed for that. I mean, I've run seven or eight races this year. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look. But I mean, that's as many races as I've ever run in a season. So. Uh, if that's all I run this year, I'm fine with it. I'll come back. I definitely plan on running speed weeks, uh, cause my mom's going to be in town and she hasn't, um, she hasn't seen me race since probably 2018. Uh, so if I don't make freedom factory, which is looking very bleak at the moment, uh, probably not going to have it back out until speed weeks. Hmm. All right. So, before we start getting into some other news and talking points, I was, um, I hate to keep bringing this up, but since I had a discussion with somebody the other day, uh, I feel like I'm going to. So, and uh, I had a conversation with, I'm just going to, I'm not going to elaborate on who because it doesn't really matter at this point, but it was an official deep, very deep within local racing especially in this area. And uh, we were talking about some of the stuff that we were discussing on the show when it pertains to stuff like transparency with racetracks and um, things of that nature, like uh, theory about management and uh, officiating and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I was actually surprised to hear that they listened to the show, which I was kind of taken aback. And I'm like, oh, God, no, what did I do? <laughs> but uh no uh, luckily it wasn't and um basically we had the we had the same discussion that we had on the show which was nice and um i i basically told them i said look um competitors are children and will do anything to make themselves look better when they get in trouble and if that means destroying everything that they love inadvertently or whatever the case may be, they're going to do it anyway because racers are stupid and you can't allow that to happen. So we came up with uh, different ideas and shot the shit about, you know, ways of trying to quell internet gossip and um, basically stopping the racers from creating their own reality in order to make themselves look better when they get in trouble. Because that's usually what happens is somebody gets in trouble 
for a rule infraction or something that happened on the racetrack, and they'll take to social media and immediately do whatever they can to make themselves to miti- basically to minimize what they have done and to make the track look like the big all-knowing meanie that you know is picking on them because they're not in their mind they're not a favorite or they're not something that whatever excuse they can come up with to make themselves seem like more of a victim in this in this uh, instance instead of the person who created the problem in the first place. Does that all sound about right? Yeah. Well, and I, and I hate to keep bringing it back up, but the whole, we've mentioned it a few times on the show, but the whole final race of the year at Waterford on the Wednesday nights, they had that big controversy with their four-cylinder division where the person who won the race and who had by default won the championship got thrown out because of a rule infraction they'd measured in technical inspection. And I got the very, very, well, let's just say it was a very well-trusted source that I'm, you know, was, was speaking to. And um, they were deep in tech. And they, again, this is all rumor that was circulating online and that was creating problems for the racetrack because all social media is cancer and racers are cancer to the sport that they love the most. So they, yep. again, like I'd mentioned earlier, they're all children. They'll say, you know, Oh, well, did you break the lamp? No, my brother did it, you know, to try to minimize their own problems. And this was the most recent example of that. And I had been talking to this person and they had mentioned what actually had happened in that. And it was, it made perfect sense to what I was saying because I said, okay, well, you know, what was heard online was somebody said that tech had measured this spring and that it was five thousandths of an inch too big and they threw them out and that's less than the width of a piece of paper, yada, yada. And I went in the garage and I did the experiment and I said, well, it's completely possible that it could have been different. You know what I mean? So I went and I debunked that. Well, the skinny turns out it was 50 thousandths of an inch, not five, 50, which is a much bigger number. Yes. (laughs) Granted, we're still talking about fractions of an inch, but then I went and I experimented with that as well. And I said, okay, what can I do to come up with exactly 50 thousandths of an inch difference between springs? Would you know, take a guess. I'm going to have Phil take a guess here. With 50 thousandths of an inch difference, which is really not much. I mean, how much do you think 50 thousandths of an inch is? It's 0.05 of an inch, not 0.005. It's 50 thousandths. It's five hundredths. Right. That's, it's not a lot. You know yeah. what I mean? How much difference in spring pressure? Now, granted, I did this with the same manufacturer of springs. How much difference in spring pressure is 50 thousandths of an inch just on the coil? So hold on. <laughs> let me think here. 50 thousandths. This is, I don't even know if you're going to get this. Because remember, it was five thousandths of an inch that I measured that it was 50 pounds. <laughs> 75 pounds. 400 pounds. 
difference. What? 400 pounds. Good Lord. I measured a 600-pound spring and a 1,000-pound spring, and it came out to about 47 thousandths of an inch difference. I'm not kidding. <laughs> My Lanta. <laughs> so, again, I'm hearing it directly from the source. I'm not hearing it in hearsay from somebody on the internet trying to make themselves look better, trying to make to minimize their involvement and try to make themselves seem like a victim and make themselves seem like an angel because they're afraid of owning their own mistakes and, you know, making themselves look bad when in reality they made themselves look even worse because they wouldn't own up to their own mistakes. You know what I mean? And this right. is exactly what I talked to that official with, is about if you had, like, look at Stafford. They have a system where they can quell any rumor immediately, and it's called the penalty notice. And I wish more racetracks did it. And that's basically what we had discussions about. We discussed this type of thing and how to make the track more transparent, but also cover its bases and try to minimize what other racers do in order to destroy the track on social media. And it's not helping. If you're one of those people who just takes hearsay and just runs with it and defends people to the end of the earth without knowing the truth, you're an idiot. Stop doing that. So anyway, uh, yeah, that was a it was just a nice discussion to have with, you know, higher level people in racing. And I, I genuinely like taking, and I've realized that I'm actually one of the quote unquote older guys in racing now because I've been in local racing, deep involved in racing for over 20 years. And I had to realize that. And I'm like, oh shit, I am one of the old guys now. Right. So, so, you know, when you've seen it and done it all, especially when social media and you were one of those idiots, maybe way back in the day, but you grew out of it because you know better, you know? Um, Maybe. Well, I did. <laughs> um, it's. I just feel like I'm, you know, my input's valuable in some manner. I mean, it's not verbatim. You can't take what I say and just implant it into your plans and say, that's going to work because I don't have the answers. I really don't. I have ideas. I think everybody has ideas, but I have a lot of ideas that, come from a lot of experience and I'm very happy to share them if anybody wants to listen. But again, don't take my word for anything because, you know, I don't have the answers. I just have ideas. So anyway, we can move on if you'd like, instead of hashing old stories over and over and over again and admonishing the same <laughs> exact people every single week without moving forward. I got news that we can talk about. By the way, I figured I'd drop this out here right now while we're talking about local stuff. I have heard very founded rumors, and let's just call them rumors still because that's basically what they are at this point. Very founded rumors that Thompson, I'd, I'd like to say, will be back next year. Now, again, on this show, I have obviously been, and on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Brent Gleason. I have made mention that I have no idea whether Thompson's going to be back next year. But I have heard from people who work at the facility in some manner or fashion that 
there will be some kind of Thompson oval track racing next year. Very, very similar to what we already have. I have heard six races. I've heard the same people. I've heard, again, this is all rumor. None of this is confirmed. None of it. Don't take this as word. Don't take this as news. This is not a headline. This is just rumor. But I have heard from some semi-trusted people that Thompson could be back next year. So I've I've known that I've, like I said, I've known that I've made mention that I didn't think it was coming back, but now I'm hearing the opposite. So I figured I, if I'm going to say one thing, I better say the other. So I'm going to cover my bases here. But hopefully, I'm hoping that Thompson comes back next year. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, we heard news that Kyle Busch Motorsports was sold to Spire. And I actually, I don't have a number. Do you get a number on it? I don't know how many millions they've probably sold that for, but. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hear anything. So I'm not going to sit and speculate. It's, it's going to be some crazy number though. I'm sure. It's going to be a lot because it not only was KBM the truck team, but I believe it was also the facility. It was the fabrication shop where they built late models and supers and stuff out of, which used to be, what the hell was that? What was the company before it became Rowdy? Hamkey. Was it Hamkey Chassis? Yeah, and I, I believe it switched back to Hamkey Chassis. Um, I do not think that any of the Rowdy stuff is associated with what is today known as Hamkey. Hmm, okay. So whatever the Rowdy manufacturing stuff is, basically Kyle Busch took all of his racing business ventures that were in this building area and essentially sold it all to Spire, from what I hear. I have a statement. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the way that worked is he had a partnership in whatever was going on there. Hmm. I have a statement from Kyle Busch. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Let's see. He he puts out a statement stating, uh, when we started the Truck Series team back in 2010, I never imagined that we'd be able to win 100 races with 18 different drivers and that one day I'd be racing in the Cup Series alongside so many of the drivers that I once mentored at KBM. I owe a lot of gratitude to so many people, starting with Samantha and my family, for believing in this dream that I had. It took countless hours by so many amazing people to make KBM the winningest team in Truck Series history. I will always appreciate everyone that walked through the doors and gave their all to make this such a successful organization. Not only has it been the people that were employed here, but it's also the families that supported them while they worked long hours and traveled on the weekend, sacrificing time at home and missing family events. And I certainly can't say enough thanks to Toyota for the 13 years of support and Chevrolet for stepping up to the plate this year. Due to their commitment and that of our great sponsors, we've been able to compete at the highest levels and hang a lot of banners. I'm at a different point in my life now than I was back in 2010. My family has grown. My Cup Series team has changed this year. And our son's racing schedule has become uh, as demanding as my own it's important to me to be able to spend more time with my family and my number eight team at Richard Childress Racing. It'll be hard to walk away from that amazing facility that we have built. I'll miss walking through the shop floor, talking to our employees, hosting our fan days in the lobby, and spending countless hours there ensuring its success. However, 
I know at this point in my life, in my career, that is the correct decision, Kyle Bush. I'm guessing he got paid for that. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely got paid. Mm. Um, it, it makes me wonder about the future of RCR a little bit. Mm. Is there some kind of ownership stake in it for him? I mean, Richard Childress isn't going to live forever, let's be fair. And do you think the Dillon boys are really going to run it like he did? No, I mean, Mike Dillon would take it over for a while. but I think Mike could probably I'd, do it. I think Austin would be the one that would take it over, but I think his relationship, as much as I don't like Austin as a driver, his personality and relationship would be good with Kyle Busch as a leader for that company. I think that Austin Dillon does a lot more for that team and company behind the scenes than what we are really privy to know about. Oh, for sure. For sure. I really do. I'm sure that dude works his tail off because Pop Pop ain't going to just give him a free free ride. He's got to give him something back. Well, yeah, you got to make the company viable. Children's is old school. Yeah, you have to make the company viable if you're going to be a valuable team member, family member or not. Yes. There's a ton of people out there that somehow believe that he just gets a complete free ride. And no, there's there's more there, I'm sure. I'm sure he's probably in that building, you know, five days out of the week at least doing business shit. So he still does absolutely suck, though. (laughs) I agree. But I do think that he does a lot more behind the scenes than what we're really privy to. Yes. Anyway. We talked about North Wilkesboro getting repaved for the 2024 season. Did you see the picture Doug Kobe, or was it, I think it might have been Doug, posted. And he asked if anybody had any cheese because he took a really up-close picture of the asphalt. And that is oh, the yeah. most that is the most abrasive thing I've ever seen in my life. Holy you, crap. You gotta see Mobile. Mobile is rough. It's got to be very close to the same. Wasn't that place yeah. closed for a long period of time? Yeah, Mobile sat for a, for quite a while too. But uh like I have walked up to the fence. I've never gotten to touch the asphalt there, but I've walked up to the fence when it was still closed down and yeah, it's I would say Mobile is every bit as rough as Wilkesboro. That it's crazy what those places do to tires. I don't know if it was Doug or not, but it was somebody on the tour. I, I did see that picture floating around on Twitter. I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was good. Anyway, what do you think about the Brickyard 400 returning to the Oval in 2024, just in time for the 30th anniversary of the first running of the event? It's about damn time. Yeah, didn't they get rid of it because the car sucked and they were like, well, this race is boring? Yeah, everybody wanted to blame the track, but you cannot blame an inanimate object. Unless it's Texas. Um, (laughs) Uh, Quite honestly, Texas is starting to come around, which is crazy to even think about saying, but... I don't like it. (laughs) this, this, The last race wasn't the worst that they've had. Texas used to be amazing because it was it had more banking than Atlanta. It was faster than Atlanta. So at least it had something going for it, and then they took that away from it. Now it's just an ice skating rink in turn one and two, and I hate it. Yeah, it's 
which is probably contradictory to what I usually say on this show. And I want to see, oh, yeah, I want to see cars slide around more. And I want to see people have to drive it more. And then I get it in the form of that, and I bitch about it. <laughs> what do I really want out of life, seriously? Anyway. So I'm happy to see, <laughs> I'm happy to see the Cup Series return to Indy. You know, this is them leaving Indy is the product of them listening to stupid race fans, which they have a habit of doing, especially with the Steve's in place. Seats, what, 350,000 people? Mm -hmm. You're not going to get that many NASCAR fans to a fucking race at Indy. They did when it first came, but that was a new thing. You know what I mean? Right. But, I mean, that's another thing that I have a problem with NASCAR over. But none of the tracks get the same attendance they used to. Yeah, but that's, again, what I'm trying to say. I have a gigantic problem with NASCAR when it comes to attendance and their concept of attendance. Now, I've heard the Steves say that attendance at racetracks isn't as important to them as it is viewership and ratings. And TV deals. And I'm like, okay. But you miss the point of optics. Optics is really important when it comes to sporting events, when it comes to the psychology of people watching the event. If you watched the Super Bowl and there were 4,000 people in a 50,000-seat arena, would you think that it's something special? No. No. If you watch a NASCAR race and you see the grandstands are only half full, would you think that it's something exciting or interesting? No. Then why aren't we charging nothing for tickets? Get the people in the gate to fill up the grandstands. Give them a decent experience while they're at the track. I mean, how much does a Cup Series ticket go for the cheapest tickets. I don't even know now because I haven't looked in so long. Yeah, I haven't really looked in a while either myself. To be fair, I think the last Cup Series race I attended as a fan when I didn't have hot passes was 19... Yes, I said 19. <laughs> 1998, I believe, or 97. It might have been 97 because I think I went 96, 97 to New Hampshire. Um, other That's than when that, I started going was 97. Other than that, I don't think I've been to a cup series race other than the time that we got hot passes in 2019. That was probably it. But Charlotte, even, Charlotte was the last time I went, but I didn't get to actually see any fucking racing. Even back at when we were getting tickets, I think we were way the hell up in the grandstands and they were still like 50 bucks a ticket. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, if if you think about it, like I said, would you watch the Super Bowl if the if the stadium was a quarter full? No, because it wouldn't look that special. NASCAR needs to to find a way to make ticket prices really cheap. Because if it doesn't matter, then okay, then charge them like little to nothing to get them in the gates. Get people to the gate. Get them in the grandstands. Improve the optics of the sport because if you see a grandstand full of people, 
then the viewer on TV is going to think that it's something special because the people came out to watch it. It's all in psychology. It's all in viewer psychology. You know? I yep. mean, would you rather hear fans cheering, booing, interacting, or would there just be nobody there in order to interact with? I mean, it's stupid. You know, you got to make it so that the fans come. And you got to make it super, like, make it stupid affordable. I mean, I know these tracks get a cut of the TV deal, right? Yeah, they have to. Right. So if, and like I said before, they said verbatim, we're not as concerned with attendance as we are with the TV deal. Okay, then do what I said. They could make it $35 for the top rows. No. 45 for the middle rows and 55 for the like now they're over 100. No. E- easy. You're you're way off of what I was thinking. 5 bucks for the cheap seats, 10 for the middle and 20 for the bottom. Done. No way. Get no those way people. They do it. Yeah, they won't do it because they don't make huge millions of dollars of profits off of it. But like I said, they said it didn't matter. Okay, then get them in there if it doesn't matter. <laughs> what why why aren't they doing that? Anyway, just my idea, of course. Like I said, I don't have the answers. I just have ideas. Anyway, why don't we go into... Oh, shit, that's right. We have no local racing because everything got rained out, making for a very interesting World Series weekend like we discussed before. Wah, wah. Yeah. All right, so I have the Whale and Modified Tour report. Because they did race, and they raced at the aforementioned North Wilkesboro Speedway. Now, we have our Whalen Mod Tour report with our tour correspondent, John Lozniak. Again, thank you very much for writing these up for us, because it saves me so much effort. And, man, I'm literally today, I was writing notes while on the treadmill. (laughs) I'm killing... Two birds with one stone. I'm at home. I have the treadmill in my bedroom. I have a TV set up in front of the treadmill. I have that going, and I'm literally writing notes on my phone as I'm on the treadmill because I'm watching the truck and cup uh, in review videos, like the highlight videos, and I'm taking notes off of that walking on the treadmill. If I had to do the tour updates as well, my entire day would be shot with doing notes. And I usually am too busy to do it. So anyway, thank you again, John. I really appreciate it because it helps a lot of the tour fans who may have missed it or missed some little thing catch up with it. All right. And I had to look this up, but apparently it's true. For the first time in series history, the Whalen Modified Tour took to the historic North Wilkesboro Speedway for the Brushy Mountain Power Sports 150. I looked that up, and I couldn't find another race for the tour there. I guess Modifieds have raced there, but I don't think it was the tour. No, it wasn't the tour. It was an iteration of the tour, but not actually like the, organized yet. Like the Southern Modified Tour type of deal before? Yeah, it was some some deal they had, I guess, before it was the years tour. ago. <laughs> okay, so... We would see the return of Matt Hirschman after his broken arm suffered at Thompson earlier this year, as well as... Which, ni- I still don't understand how the hell that happened. He got hit in the wheel, and he probably just tweaked his arm the wrong way. I mean, Keith Rocco's broken his arm at least two or three times, so... I mean, yeah. I can see, you know, I can see it happening. 
it your bones are weird. You take a weird impact, it spiral fracture or something stupid happens. You know what I mean? It's just yep. it sucks. So anyway. Uh let's see. And nineteen ninety tour champ Jamie the Jet Tomano, uh former and current cup stars Bobby Labani, Ryan Newman were also in the field. Thirty eight cars started this event. Hey, we're back up to good numbers here. We were hunting around the teens for a while, but I guess they had some southern cars show up. Let's see. Austin Beers was leading the way to green after collecting another pole on the season. Beers would pull out to an early lead, but the yellow would fly on lap 12 for a solo spin in turn three by the 77 of Gary Putnam. Race restarted on lap 18. Uh, Let's see. Restarts would definitely be favorable uh, to the bottom row all night. Yeah, that seems like an inside lane track. Lap 42, the lapped car of Tim Connolly would make contact with the 7 of Doug Kobe, causing the 4 of Connolly to make heavy right front contact into the front stretch wall, coming to a stop in turn 1, bring out the second caution. With 6 tires allotted for this race, some teams would elect to come down and pit for 3 tires, while others, like leader Beers, Kobe, Silk, they would all stay on, uh, stay out for track position. The race would restart on lap 51 with Beers pulling out to the lead again. I wonder how the tire wear actually was. I wish I'd looked it up, but nobody, I didn't see anybody really complaining and I didn't see any pictures of it. So I guess it couldn't have been that bad. No, I didn't see a lot of complaining about it, but I think they had just figured it is what it is at that point because they had already run on that stuff last year. Then again, these cars are a lot lighter than, say, like a cup car or. Yeah, I don't know about a super, but you know, I'm sure they're pretty lightweight cars either way. So they probably weigh about the same as a super. Yeah, probably. How about a late model stock? You think they're a little heavier? Late model stocks are fucking heavy pigs. They're thirty two hundred pounds. I think thirty three hundred pounds. Holy shit, that's massive. Yeah, I think the uh, <laughs> that's two hundred pounds the... more than my car. I want to say the Stupor's 2,800 pounds. I think a mod is 2,750. 20, a tour mod, I, think I a believe. a tour mod's 2,650. I'm not sure, but I have Was to look it 2,650? I don't remember. It's yeah. been a while. They weigh like nothing, so. All right. Anyway, lap 66, Matt Hirschman with newer tires would take the lead easily from beers. Just as that took place, the 7 of Kobe would go for a spin into turn 1 and bring out third caution. Kobe would drive away quick without any damage. Replay showed they were three wide into the uh, three wide with the one of Burt Myers to his inside and the 51 of Justin Bonsignor to the top. And upon entry, the 51 would come down and make contact with Kobe's right front, triggering the spin. Cars that didn't pit prior would come down for three tires. During pit stops, the 82 of Craig Lutz would lose his right rear tire exiting pit road. Ooh, that's not great. Lutz would drive the car back back around, causing major damage to the suspension. Race restarted on lap 73 with the 60 of Hirschman taking point. Caution number four on lap 76 for the 21 of Jacob Perry's solo spin. Race restarted on lap 82 with the 60 of Hirschman still leading, followed by the 51 of Bonsignor and Burt Myers. Lap 99, the 39 of Newman would get into the back bumper of Hirschman and pressure him. Newman would then take the lead off of turn two with 50 laps to go. 
Caution number five would come out on lap 102 for the 18 of Ken Hagee, who appeared to have lost a motor. Apparently it wasn't a motor. I believe it was actually a power steering line, according to somebody on that uh, Facebook group there. Gotcha. They said they were trying to fix it, and uh, they thrashed. I guess they might have got him back out, or at least they tried to, but I heard it was a power steering line. The top five of Newman, Hirschman, Justin Bonsignor, Silk, Kobe, and the rest of the lead lap cars would come down pit road for tires. Uh, the 60 would be the first off pit road, followed by Kobe, Newman, Silk, and Emerling. Beers would be sent to the rear for a pit road violation. Uh, that threw his uh, race away. The race restarted on lap 112. The 59 of Missouri elected to stay out and was the leader. However, the 60 of Hirschman was able to get past down the backstretch. 59 would bottle up the pack a bit as all those who, knew, who were on new tires were just eating him alive. With 31 to go, the 38 of Bobby Labonte would bring out the sixth caution with heavy left front damage. Labonte would bring his car straight to the trailer. Race restarted with 25 to go. Hirschman would jump out to a lead with Silk in tow, taking over second from Doug Kobe. The seventh caution came out just a few laps later when the 92 of Anthony Nocella. Uh, let's see. The race restarted with 19 to go. Silk from second would get freight trained back to sixth after a hard side-by-side -side battle with the 51 of Bonsignor. With 13 to go, Silk would get by uh, Bonsignor for fourth. Caution number eight with 12 laps to go for the 77 of, I think it was Gary Putnam, and the 21 of Jacob Perry coming together on the backstretch. Was it Gary in that car? I think it was. I'd have to look it up again, but I think Putnam was making a rare start. Restart with eight laps to go. Hirschman was staying strong out front. Ronnie Silk would get to third with five to go. Caution number nine came out just as the leader was coming to take the white flag for Andy Sice making heavy rear contact to the inside backstretch wall. Green, Poor Andy. Yeah. Can't catch a damn break. Green-white checker would see Silk move from third to second, and the 51 of Bonsignor would take advantage of an inside spot of fifth to follow Silk through and wind up third. Uh, let's see. The 60 of Matt Hirschman, though, would take down the win, and he would take the elevator ride up to victory lane. A huge wreck ensued, though. Coming to the finish line, when Kobe, who restarted second, would get turned sideways off of turn four, battling for about fourth or fifth, and it would everyone would scatter trying to avoid. J.B. Fortin went for a ride over the back of uh, Tyler Ripkema. Multiple other cars were involved. If anybody saw the picture of Ripkema's car, it looked undressed pretty badly. Yeah, that looked way worse than it. I mean, it sucked obviously but it looked way worse than it was um yeah i think fortin went up over his left rear and just took the back body right off the car when i saw the picture i was just coming home from uh auburndale in the rain out and when i saw the picture i was like oh shit somebody went upside down that like it, it legitimately looked like he went upside down it looked like but it yeah it it wasn't it was just undressed like it did now let's see, let's go into the points battle because that would only see a one-point gain for the 16 of Ronnie Silk with two events remaining, Thompson and Martinsville. 
It's going to come down to who can execute and not make mistakes. And I believe, I don't even know what the differential is there anymore. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't looked. I've just. NASCAR Whalen modified tour home. Let's see. Modified tour has kind of lost its luster to me a little bit, to be honest. So it says, uh, how many races have they done? 16 now? Is that, I don't even know when this was updated, but it's at racingreference.info. Hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's telling me that there's a three point gap. I don't know if that's true or not. So, <laughs> I mean, if it is, that's pretty tight battle. I thought Doug, uh, not Doug. I thought uh, Silk was out of it, but no, he's he's still within single digits. Apparently, it's only three. Austin Beers is said to be back at thirty-eight. Back. I don't know when this was updated. Again, sometimes they take a minute to update, but we'll see. That's where NASCAR is sending me is sending me to racing reference or whatever the hell it is. So that's pretty much all I can say. That's that's the only info I got. So whatever. Wow. Either way, it's tight. It's either three points or two points. I don't know what to tell you. Any- <laughs> what do you expect from me? I'm not the media. Anyway, uh, let's see. We're about an hour 40 into this thing. Again, when there's no local racing, it tends to shorten the show up quite a bit. So we can go in. And if I'm missing something, please feel free to fill me in on it. But I don't really think I am at this point. But we got national stuff. Now, I don't. I thought that the Xfinity Series was racing this weekend, but apparently I was wrong because I didn't see them race. Yeah, I didn't see them either. So, watch them have race, and I have no idea that they did. Xfinity. <laughs> race uh schedule there we go thanks a lot google you could have just told me you asshole now i gotta go search for it jesus christ anyway previous race texas next race yeah they didn't race they're on the charlotte road course they're at the roval all right so they didn't race this weekend confirmed okay so trucks talladega this was actually a lot more well-behaved until the end. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> Much more. Speaking of, Nick Sanchez won the caution-free, I believe it was caution-free, stage one. They were rather well-behaved at that point, but not for long. Uh, coming in for pit stops, though, Zane Smith, something happened. He locked up the rear tires on his truck or whatever happened there. I forgot what his explanation was. And he spun... And hit his tire carrier with the back of the truck. Tried to spear his heart with the fucking spoiler. <laughs> he damaged Good the shit. Did you see the damage to that truck that that guy freaking... <laughs> I was a big fucking boy. He caved the whole side of the damn truck in. Luckily, he was able to jettison the tires that he was carrying before impact. And he jumped when the truck got to him so it wouldn't run him he, over. <laughs> he threw one down in front of the truck. I'm like, good that's fucking smart. It's just going to kick it back into you. Well, he had to get rid of them or they were going to rip his arms off when it hits them. Did you see his his interview afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I almost cleared the deck. 
That would have been pretty badass. <laughs> I saw a tweet by Nas- uh, Mr. NASCAR Chasm there, and they he said something about him and dating profile or something like that, and his wife chimed in. It was freaking hilarious. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I missed that. <laughs> She's like, nope, I, I'm his wife, and I'm the one who has to deal with the aftermath of this because he's probably going to be all bruised up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's definitely going to be bruised up. Oh yeah, but anyway, uh, well, they can, from his interview afterwards, we can tell why he wasn't hurt because there's not a lot there to hurt. He was probably a college football athlete or something like that. He's probably got lasting brain damage from it. So. I pick up tires and then I put them down. Yeah. Anyway, so he he didn't even fall over. No, uh, dude's a fucking beast. Then they completed the stop to top it all off. Uh, speaking of Lane, uh, Zane, bleh. speaking of Zane Smith, he is a playoff driver, but on lap 28, he came down pit road with gear issues. Apparently I guess the transmission was jumping out of gear on him and stuff. He would try to continue, but eventually he would go behind the wall and they would try to fix the truck. He ended the day pretty poorly. Let me see exactly where that was. Uh, 32nd out of 36 trucks. Pretty bad. That's five points total. Uh, and that put him at least 36 points behind the cut line heading into Homestead, which I think is their last race before they go to um, Phoenix. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So he's basically got to win. Yeah, essentially he has to win. But, I mean, he just signed a big deal to go cup racing next year, so good for him at least. It's not a completely lost season for him, but that stings to get into the playoffs and then have an issue where it's a mechanical failure. Right. Which is very rare at Talladega because usually half the field crashes before you get to that point. Anyway. Oh, Brian Dozat, or Doja, whatever his name is. He was the first car out of the race on lap five for handling. Okay, cool. I love that description. Handling. Just admit you start and parked. Anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Lap 39 was the first caution for cause when the aforementioned earlier in the show, Stuart Friesen and Tyler Ankrum got together after Friesen was turned into Ankrum. Uh, Friesen hit the turn three wall. I believe that was um, Christian Eckes who hit him, isn't it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Eckes was at the front at the end of the race after causing this giant crash, but enough of that. Friesen hit the turn three wall very hard with the front end and was sent to the hospital for evaluation. It also collected uh, David Gilliland, who was making a rare truck series start. I thought he might have gotten by, but then he went to his pit because he had a flat tire, and it looked like the right rear tube of the uh, axle got peeled back like a banana. So his uh, cr- his crew looked at it and they were like, "Yeah, no, we're not fixing this here unless you got a port of power." <laughs> it was peeled back. I'm like, "Nope, you're done, buddy." All right, who's next here? Parker Kligerman won stage two under caution. I believe that's what uh, ended the stage. Did you happen to see the booth trying to talk to Zane Smith while he was still in the truck behind the wall? on jack stands as his team tried to fix his truck no i missed that oh that was sad like genuinely i'm like are you (laughs) are you kidding 
Like I know they have, they're looking for content. I guess is the word I'm looking for. But it's like, oh man, you're killing me with this right now. Dick, dick, dick grasping. I mean, it was just. I I found it to be in really poor taste. Hang on a second here. I just gotta. There we go. I'm pulling up a, a video for later, just so we can have a little bit of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word here. I'll come up with it later. Again, we do these shows live to tape, and I'm trying to do this on the fly when Jesse's not here. So give me a little bit of slack. But anyway, um, yeah, I thought it was in poor taste. I mean, the guy's sitting there suffering. He's watching his grasp on the points just slip away. He's completely helpless. And, hey, let's have the booth talk to this completely depressed soul with no hope left of finishing this race. And it's just, like, the saddest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, can we just not do that? Go talk to crew members who are making a difference. You're not talking about that photo of that guy sitting on the ball after that. No, no, no. That's oh. going to be the Instagram post this week. Yeah. 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 I thought you were saying that that was poor taste. And I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Not oh, that one. No. No, my wife is talking about the uh, the picture from Rockford Speedway of Rich Bickle. Yeah. Who, oh, my God. It's the saddest picture you could ever witness. We're going to post it up on our Instagram page. But it's so good. It is. Photojournalistically. It is. Photojournalistically, it is a fantastic photo. Set of photos, actually. I'm so drunk. Really? Yeah. When did you get booze? A few days ago. Oh. Was it yeah, those Bloody Marys? Bad taste. Okay, what do we got about bad taste? Like, I'm in for participation bulletin? here. You know what the bulletin used to do? They used to like go to the funerals. Norwich Bulletin, yeah. and they'd go to funerals. They'd go to funerals, and it was like they had a freaking telephoto lens on people's faces, so you could see the detail of the tears. Really? Like, no shit. They sent fucking her <laughs> to the funeral of a station fire victim. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh. The shit. Okay, I'll have to give Fox a little bit of a pass on this, considering our local heroes here in, in j- journalism. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a race, you know, okay, storytelling, but to send people to a funeral, that's poor taste. Okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, so sorry. I'm so drunk. Bye, Phil. I turned on my mic just so the viewers or listeners could hear you. Yay! So there you go. Hear me drunk and be mad about journalism. Okay, good. I hope that thing turns off soon. Yo. Okay, Wait, anyway. No, 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 my microphone. I wanted that to turn off. <laughs> She's going to fight me later, I guess. Rip. All right. So, yeah, that's going to be our uh, Instagram post is going to be the Rich Bickle photo where he's sitting on a wall during the last race at Rockford Speedway, and he's just sitting there with his head in his hands because he can't believe that place is being closed down. And I'm like, well, that's the state of racing here. That's just kind of how it is now, and that sucks. So... It's a fantastic track, too. The guy came out of retirement and finished second in the last race at Rockford, and he, the guy just parked his car off and turned two, didn't talk to anybody, and just sat there reflecting on the place because it was an amazing facility. <sighs> anyway, let's go to 36 to go. Bailey Curry and Tyler Hill, not Timmy Hill, got together and turned, uh, spun out down the backstretch. Uh, I believe Curry hit the inside wall. Might have continued. Nick Sanchez, though, he was up front all day. Pen- um, I believe he was the pole sitter. And uh, he got penalized by NASCAR for laying back on a restart. So that put him towards the back of the pack. And now uh, we're going to have more on him later again. 
18 to go. Pole sitter Chase Purdy pulled out a line on the restart with an apparent issue. Uh, I think he might have had some kind of ignition problem where he had to recycle ignition boxes or switch stuff. But he did get the thing going again. Luckily for him, not for uh, Rajai Karuth, because 15 to go, Rajai got spun past the start-finish line. That brought out a caution. Luckily, that saved Purdy because he'd lost all of his track position. Put a bunch of other people back on the lead lap. Uh, 10 to go, speaking of Chase Purdy, he got together with Colby Howard and shot straight into the outside wall off of turn four, and Howard was uh, sent spinning across traffic. Luckily, everyone else avoided him, but it sucks because Colby Howard was having a phenomenal run all day long until that happened, so that sucks for him, but at least he didn't get wrecked. So That's that 91 truck, right? Nine truck, I believe. Oh, he's in a nine now? Yeah, he was in the nine truck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's always had good speed at the big tracks, and he's had some decent speed here and there at the other tracks. I don't know who he is or where he came from, but... You know who had a great run, and I'm very happy to see it for once? That Oh, that's who uh, Josevar right-reared at IRP last year, though. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right, idiot. You know who had a good run who really needed a good run? Haley Deegan? Dean Thompson. <laughs> where did Deegan end up? Deegan. Eighth. Not bad. No. Dean Thompson finished third. This a lot of these guys that like they came from short track racing somewhere, but who the fuck are they? I mean, Dean had some bad luck in the truck series, especially plate tracks lately. Because he yeah. would he kept getting wrecked or turned around. Anytime he had a good run, I think it's Charlotte he got wrecked when he had a good run going. And it's like the guy just needed a good break, and he did. And he got that third place finish. He started fourth. Like Dean had a great run going. So there's a little spoiler for you. But anyway, three to go. Uh, here we go. <laughs> here comes Nick Sanchez back because he has a fast truck. Now he made a very ill advised and uh, stupid move by sticking his nose into the inside of Matt Crafton where there was not room and turned Crafton into Brett Holmes and triggered a massive wreck, including it. sucker punched him, you could say. <laughs> Would you not agree that there was no room to stick your nose there? That He's... was the dumbest photo. Like, where are you going, dude? He must do a lot of AI racing because he stuck his nose down there acting like the car was, like, like Crafton was going to move to the side because he made a little bit of room to his back bumper. And yeah, it's like, no. that's not how this works, dude. You, he just moved right back up the racetrack and turned Matt Crafton. Crafton never came down. There wasn't room to come down. There was a truck next to him. I was like, what a stupid move. And uh, like I said, it collected a lot of people, one of which was Greg Van Alst, who won the Daytona race in the Arca series. He was that right. man has had the worst season yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. He got caught up in someone else's shit yet again. And it turns out, because he got turned straight right into the outside wall head-on in the young motorsports truck, and it turns out that he broke a vertebrae in his back in the crash. So his season's done. Yeah. The season from hell is over. I hope that's not his career, though, because I like Greg. He's a hard-working short track guy from the Midwest. 
And he just and, won a short track race, didn't he? It was a yeah. He won a late model race of some sort recently. Wasn't it at Salem or Winchester? He just won something. One or the other. I forget. They were just in that in that vicinity, and he just won something too. So, damn it, I forgot what it was. It's one of those tracks out there in the Midwest with walls for fucking corners. <laughs> Climbing a seven-story building. I'm going to look it up on his... I, I can't wait for Anderson, Salem, Winchester, and Florence are all coming to iRacing this year. Are they? It, it, yes. Really? Winchester, I am never going to race anywhere but those four tracks. It was Anderson Speedway. Anderson is the little... That's where they have it's the, the little quarter. Yeah, it's the quarter mile track. So he won... Okay, so I was wrong. But yeah, he won the uh, Madison County 200. Yeah. Yeah. So he won. It was someone else's car. They wrapped it up for him, I think. But uh, it, well, it might have been. I don't know who the hell's car it was. But anyway, yeah, he won at Anderson like September twenty third. They posted that, so that was a week ago before that. So yeah, he had just won something. So that sucks. Damn. Yeah, his season's over. Go home and rest, Greg. Anyway, uh, let's see. I got to find my notes here. All right. Crafton drove his mangled truck back to Sanchez's pit and parked it there and left it. <laughs> Phil sent me something. Tri-County cars. I'll have to check that out later, obviously. Oh, I sent you something that didn't come through. Yeah, it's um, private. I can't see it, even though they're... they're uh, picture on their headline is actually pretty sweet i don't know what that thing is but you know well i don't know why the hell it just posted nine million things but it's the very first part <laughs> what the fuck all the way at the top <laughs> okay i gotta go all the way up here seekonk memories brian ross brian ross lost his dad yeah oh that sucks that's a sad one yeah that sucks. Not Bill a big, was... not a big fan of Brian, but you know, <laughs> I don't want to see his, I don't want to see his dad die. <laughs> Brian's a big fan of me for whatever reason, which I found entertaining. He's... I like, I mean, Brian helped me. He he gave me parts for my first street stock, so I've always been friendly with Brian. But we know he's a little bit out there. Yeah, that's uh, all. That's all I'm he's saying. Just he's always... just a little out there. That's all. He's always reached out to me every time I've done good, and he's he's good people. And it's sad to having lost my father as you have. It's mm -hmm. I wanted to point that out. I think it deserved some condolences for sure because they they're two people that are well known in the, in the racing community in the north. Oh, especially sure. around here, everybody knows their names. Yes, I'm not kidding. It's that's the truth. Like big Riverside Park guys too. I'm pretty sure. So, um. Yeah, that sucks. Genuinely, that does suck. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the Crafton thing again. Yeah, Crafton drove his mangled truck to Sanchez's pit, parked it there, left it after the race. Now, this is obviously heavily debated. Uh, what is known is that Crafton found Sanchez after the race, and Sanchez had a massive cut above his eye afterwards. <laughs> oh man, Sanchez again. Racers being children, is claiming that he was sucker punched from behind in a very cowardly act. 
Crafton has a completely different story, and I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle. He's, Very likely. He's stating that he confronted Sanchez, they exchanged words, and then he punched them. Personally, I believe Crafton, because like I said, racers are children and will create their own truth to make themselves look better even, it kills, even if it kills the sport that they love. And I'm sure that Matt is a very experienced older driver where he can actually just not give a fuck and tell you the truth even if he's wrong. But um, it, I wouldn't listen, put it past him either. So I have no problem with the veteran drivers taking care of business if they need to because – Quite honestly, the truck series has turned into the new ARCA series. And I'm frankly sick and tired of listening to all these social media wannabes that that report on the sport justify how these kids drive. And it's about time that someone fucking knocks one out. Hmm. I'm sorry to say it, and I don't condone fighting usually, but... If there's no other way to get your message across that that's not how you fucking race, maybe it's time we go back to the old school way. No, I agree. Uh, a lot of times these kids do not learn, and they're just going to keep doing their own thing because they have the money to just throw at whatever they want, and that's how they've gotten through their entire career. Uh, and that means that they are... They're very prone to have an absence of respect because yeah. they don't need to have it because they can just fire money at their problems like usual. When an experienced guy who came up through short tracks, who fought their way through middling, piddling shit rides and finally has something halfway decent, gets wrecked by one of these idiot kids who doesn't know their asshole from their elbow, can't drive a hot knife through warm butter does something stupid and we know it was stupid because we watched it and we're experienced with racing. He has every right to punch him in his mouth or I, however he chose to do it, <laughs> whatever he could connect with. I have no problem with him punching kids in the face. I mean, they'll learn not to fuck with him. And if they don't, then they're stupider than they look. If this kid retaliates against Matt Crafton in the form of, I'm going to wreck his race car. I hope Matt does it again. And to all more along the lines of I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, he made a personal threat stating I'm going to kill you. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Calm down, young man. You don't know what you speak of. Well, but we'll see tomorrow if he even gets an opportunity because NASCAR ain't going to look lightly at that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to take the threat any differently than the actual punch that you know was delivered to him i think they're going to treat him pretty equally well i don't think anything's going to happen about the punch we'll see again we'll see i've saw i saw a lot of people saying that crafton needed to be suspended for things that people passed off as hearsay and i'm like well do you have video of it i'd love to see it and then i didn't the reason see i don't think anything's going to happen is nothing happened to noah or ross nope. nothing happened to noah or riley Nothing happened to Noah. Why is it always fucking Noah? Noah <laughs> likes to punch people. But, but like, but they deserve the it. I've never years have had anything happen. I've never seen Noah Gregson punch somebody that didn't deserve it. Let's be fair. 
Oh, absolutely. Even he I got agree. even he got punched, but you know what? He touched. Uh, who's the Florida man there? <laughs> Chastain. Ross. Yeah, he touched him. You don't touch a man unless you're going to throw hands, and Ross knew that, so he threw hands again. That was fair. So. Again, I got no problem with it. And the kids all deserve it half the time, especially Sanchez. He's an idiot. Hey, and quite honestly, this shit happens more than we actually know. We just don't always see it. Right, because they wait until the cameras are put away and catch him in the RV lot. Garage, <laughs> I, I have heard stories of more than one fight inside the NASCAR hauler. Oh, I'm sure it happens quite a bit. NASCAR is very good at keeping things hush-hush. Yes. There's, they have they like to give out hush money. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, um, coming to the let's just leave it alone. <laughs> People are going to think we're going to go down some kind of rabbit hole, and I don't want to go there. Coming to the white flag, Chandler Smith in the twenty five Rackley truck. Because remember, Matt Benedetto got bounced out of that unceremoniously. Uh, he was literally locked bumpers for like half a lap with Christian Eckes with no call by NASCAR, but Brett Moffitt. In a one-off ride for the 34 team, is that, um, what the hell is the team called again? Shit, I can't remember. Front row? Yeah, I think that's front row. It's got the same number font. I'm pretty sure it is. Like, Zane races for him, right? Yeah. It's a team truck to Zane, so it's got to be a front row truck. Yes. Well, Moffat picked up the win, and uh, by the way, it was the least dramatic call of all time, surely exciting all of the fans watching. Oh, wait, I have video of that. Let's see what we have here. Turn that up. The 34. Oh. He takes a look to the outside. Ben Rose takes a look to the inside. He hangs on, continues to push Brett Moffitt. And across the Brett line. Moffitt with the win at Talladega. Wow, that's it. She is so fucking terrible. She's great yeah, on front, pit road. Front row motorsports. She's great on pit road, but not as great in the booth. She doesn't have the personality to lead a broadcast. She's a great. Oh, great on pit road. Pit road announcer for sure. Fantastic but on pit road. Like one of the best just on like pit road. Her and Rick Allen in the same booth would be a nightmare. <laughs> I, I would probably Rick... kill myself. Should I look up the Rick Allen call? <sighs> see how different it I is. I shared it. I shared it on Twitter. Let's see here. Uh, nope, that's the Hollywood Casino race. That's Bass Pro Shops. Yellowwood Five Hundred. There we go. Push aggressive. Nah, shut up. All right, let's go to. What's the Rick Allen call going to sound like? I mean, the last lap. Of you should the... play my, the one I posted. I didn't see it. Let's see it's, here. They're coming through three and four. Can the 36 get to the back bumper of the four and give him a big push? Momentum coming. They're side by side through the trioval. Blaney, Harvick, Blaney, Harvick. You, you said that. It's going to be Blaney. Yeah, he said that twice. Blaney, Harvick, just, Blaney, Harvick. I, just, <laughs> I sent you what the real one was. The one you just played was actually edited. Really? Because... Oh, you sent me the other. Did you send me it on Twitter? Okay, good. Because I'm on there. So <laughs> I thought that was the real one. All right, let's go see. Share to post. All right, let's see. Uh, what an elegant call by Rick Allen. All right, let's hit this button here. Let's rewind. Here we go. They're side by 
There it is. Oh, okay, that's better. Yeah, that's about right. They're like 10 miles uh, past the start-finish line. That's literally what it sounds like, though. Like, it's so terrible. Can you please get them both off the air? Oh, God. There's so many talented announcers like Alan Bestwick sitting at home. <sighs> I'm so pissed off by that. <laughs> that is... I laughed way too hard at that earlier. And I'm fucking almost hyperventilating listening to it again. Well, you're also interstellar at the moment, so I mean, it is kind of. Anyway, why don't we move on? <laughs> Not just a movie. All right, before we go to the Cup Series, we need to mention some news that broke today that uh, Iowa Speedway is finally getting their Cup date next year. Apparently, yes, but will it be an oval or a roval? <laughs> Better fucking not be a roval. Iowa has a roval. Yes, NASCAR yeah, it does. It cuts out three and four. NASCAR is incredibly adept at doing the wrong thing most of the time. If I'm they do terrified. that, if they do that, I'm going to lose my fucking mind because they, th- Iowa's a three quarter mile track. Seven eighths. Oh, it's seven eights. That's right. It's yeah, seven eights. it's seven yes. eights. Okay, it's a mini Kansas, is what I think it is. It's a larger Richmond, is what I think it is. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's both. I think okay, it's both. But they better put it on the goddamn oval, or I'm going to be really pissed off because that's the only reason they should go there. There's no. And, oh my god, I I tried the Gen Four on iRacing at Iowa earlier. We're doing that soon. I hope so, because I'm sick of doing street stocks there because i suck at it <laughs> anyway cup series oh my god we're two two hours and ten minutes here jesus christ i thought we were gonna have a short show all right we got to get in the cup series at talladega because we already took we already finished the call uh last lap of the first stage ricky stenhouse short-circuited and tried to block three lanes that he didn't need to uh ended up losing the lead and in the shuffle ross chastain playoff driver by the way got turned, uh, spun, and hit the turn three wall pretty hard with the right front, and that ended his day very early. Unnecessarily as well. He is now, I believe, minus 10 to the cut line, if I am correct. Let's see here. Ross is... Oh, crap. NASCAR.com sucks ass. So, uh, yep, can't tell. Wait a minute. Nope. Can't tell. Great. Thanks a lot, NASCAR. Appreciate it. So I just went through and just went off my notes. So I'm just going to say he's minus 10 to the cut line. Okay. Anyway, let's go to, yeah, Ryan Blaney, because he was very strong all day. We already know he won because of Rick Allen's call. Uh, Ryan Blaney won stage one. That gave him 10 valuable points as he was tight to the cutoff line before the race. Brad Keselowski won stage two, netting him 10 points that he would need later. That's some foreshadowing for you. 27 to go. Keselowski gave a push to Carson Hosevar in the trioval and triggered a massive wreck, including those two. Austin Dillon and Ty Gibbs caught the outside wall hard, and a couple others went spinning. A lot of uh, negative opinions headed towards um, Keselowski after even just listening to the the booth. They were pretty super critical of uh, that push by Keselowski. Yeah, they- they jumped right on him. Oh, yeah. It was, I was like, holy shit, you guys are all over him for this. 
Uh, oh shit, where am I at here? Oh boy, I lost all sorts. <laughs> I've lost all my notes. Anyway, let's go to, uh, ah, Jesus Christ, sorry. Yeah, Ryan Priest somehow avoided that as everyone crashed around him, but somehow, I don't know how, but he managed to squeak through. I want to see some kind of onboard from that because, holy shit, he was wrecked. I mean, but he never touched anything. He was dead. Like, yes. just straight up dead. That car should have been string cheese. It, <laughs> it was so close. Oh, man. I don't know how the hell they missed him. Anyway, let's just go through. God damn it. I can't find a goddamn thing about anything with the cut line now because I am so awful at fucking Google. Like, everything sucks. I am terrible at this. Jesse, where the hell are you? Anyway, there was a massive amount of shuffling amongst the front half of the field in the final 10 laps, because let's just fast forward to that, because that's what really matters here. Uh, It seemed like this race, you could build and kill momentum with the lines much more than you could with, say, like an Xfinity or a uh, truck. It just seems like these cars can really change a lot of the momentum in the lines do you notice that yeah they this package for whatever reason i i mean i hate plate track racing super speedway racing but this package is probably the most entertaining package we've had in a while it's not bad but it's well let's be fair the fords can push better than anybody their noses are flatter yeah that's definitely one thing yeah for sure but we don't want to go back into the COT days, let's be fair. I miss tandem racing. It was interesting. I was just thinking about that the other day because I was like, wait a minute. They had radios set up in their car with big dials on them with numbers on it that the drivers could literally talk to each other with. I was like, no shit. NASCAR put the kibosh. so damn fun. Like going (laughs) go-karting with your buddies and... Just putting on earbuds. NASCAR put the kibosh on that real fast. I don't understand why they, it's over policing. Yeah, but it, you could also it. you could also look at it as like maybe it's changing the outcome of the event. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's influencing the outcome. But then again, I mean, it's drafting. I mean, whatever, dude. They're trying not to kill each other by doing this. So anyway. Let's go to Denny Hamlin. He ran most of the day a lap down, got it back very late, and he started making a huge charge to the front. And again, you could talk endlessly, especially the Darfs. They love to talk about this sort of thing and say, oh, you know, these super speedways, what we used to call plate tracks, mostly are just luck. And if you can get in the right lane and just go forward, you can make passes. And I'm like, no, there's genuine skill involved here. And Denny Hamlin is one of the best at it. The guy won three Daytona 500s. You know, there's not just skill involved in that. I mean, there's not just luck. There's a lot of skill. I mean, there's a reason why the guy can just carve his way through the field, even being a, after being a lap down, having to start at the back and just run straight to the front in a restrictor plate race. The guy knows what he's doing. But coming to the line, uh, Blaney had a run on Harvick down the backstretch on the final lap. 
and was able to switch lanes to the bottom and get by. Harvick still had a push from uh, Riley Herbst, who was making a rare cup start, and was really kind of up front all day, to be fair. Uh, he did a great job. Riley is turning into a pretty damn good uh, super speedway racer. He's definitely getting better. I wouldn't say he's still great at this point, but this race was almost flawless for him. Like, he did a fantastic job. And it wasn't even his fault that he got turned there at the end. I think somebody just kind of ran into him. Um, let's see. Through the tri-oval, Blaney had Byron behind him. Herbst is pushing Harvick. And they were gaining momentum on the outside through the tri-oval until Herbst got spun. And once that dumped the air off of the back of Harvick's car, that stopped his momentum. And Blaney was still just ahead and still had that push behind him by Byron. And that was enough to make the difference as he would barely beat Harvick to the line. As it felt like the entire field wrecked behind him. <laughs> it looked Everybody like Everybody died. Yeah, that's very typical, though. Uh, they just complete reckless abandon will just wreck everybody at the line sometimes. But anyway. It looked like us. Yeah, whenever we finish a race, we just drive off into the corner and just crash everybody on iRacing. So, anyway, Harvick supposedly finished second, but would be penalized for an infraction involving his windshield fasteners. Uh, NASCAR said the fasteners came loose under race conditions, and that was a penalty, and he was disqualified from his second-place finish. And apparently SHR is not going to appeal this because I think they're just like, look, Harvick's already out of the points. This is his last season. We got like three races left or four races left. Fuck it, you know? <laughs> or maybe five. I can't remember how many races are left. but It, it may just not be worth the uh, the time and effort and money to go chase that anyway. Genuinely, it's not. You're talking about purse money, and they've they've got sponsors that foot the bill. So it's like fuck it at this point you know um that moved the aforementioned denny hamlin up to third after having been lapped down most of the day other noticeable finishers or noteworthy finishers were Corey lajoy he ended up fourth ryan priest squeaked uh squeaked by the chaos barely again i believe he might have made contact with the wall but not a lot and he finished eighth and even spinning, Riley Herbst finished ninth. Again, I got the playoff standings here. I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm pretty sure Tyler Reddick is back by, I think, two points. Bubba Wallace is back by nine points, it looks like. I'm doing math off the top of my head. I think Chastain is back by ten. And it looks like Kyle Busch is back by uh, 26, it looks like. Again, I didn't I didn't look up the good ones where it tells you I actually had to do the math in my head. So I just figured it off of Brad Keselowski, who's on the bubble with 3,060 points, says Tyler Reddick has 3,058, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I went off of. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Tyler Reddick is, I just found the points. Tyler Reddick is two back from the cut line. All right, cool. So I actually did math correctly, I guess. So Yes. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Busch had a... Another pretty bad day, and he's still 26. Pretty much has to win to get through at this point. But Ross, I think, was above the line and then went below it because of getting wrecked very early on, so that screwed him. 
Yeah, Russ is still only 10 back, though. Uh, let's see here. We got Byron and Blaney. They are, I believe, the only ones. Are they the only ones that are through right now at this point? Yeah, but Hamlin is technically already locked in because, I mean, he's he's 50 points above the cut line. More than 50, I think, just barely above. So, yeah, all right, so that's fine. He'd have to have an astronomically bad day to be out of it. I don't think he can, <laughs> to be fair. Uh Unless people get a lot of stage points on him and then win the race and then he drops out on the first lap or something stupid like yeah, that. Yeah, that would be what needs to happen, basically. Essentially, if he falls yeah. Out. So we got like Byron's in, Blaney's in, Hamlin, Bell, Busher, Truex, uh, Larson, and Brad Keselowski are the top eight. And then we already gave you the last four. So coming into the uh, cutoff race at the Roval, which I hope they get rid of someday because it's basically a street course and that's not very good. So I hope they go back to the Oval. I like Charlotte Oval way better. Anyway, got any more notes? Because I'm pretty much out of it, and we're already 220 into this bad boy. I have nothing else. All right. Sorry, Jesse. <laughs> this show kind of sucked, but uh, that's our fault, not yours. Enjoy Ireland. You can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. If you want to send us some feedback, you can write to us at Making Laps Podcast at gmail.com. Or, like earlier, you can have your voice heard over at uh, anchor.fm slash Making Laps. It'll redirect you. Or, what did I say it was? Podcasters.spotify.com slash Making Laps. And then click the voicemail icon, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> i got to get that logo down. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BrentGleason01. You can find me on YouTube at YouTube.com slash BrentGleason. You can find Phil at? At Racing on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can find Jesse in Ireland for the remaining week. All right. Since I have banned the boy from... Uh, saying the end of the show this week because he can't stop screaming into a microphone and making me cut it out at the end. Keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. Thank you all for listening. I greatly appreciate it. (laughs) 